Attack life, not others, with Tim Hoover and Steve Mittman. Back of the show, it's Chris Butinsky. Chris has been on before. He's an author, and he wrote the book, The Inklings, The Victorians, and The Moderns. If you missed that episode, you got to check it out. It is episode 108. There will be a link in the show notes. Chris, you've got a background in theology. If you could give us the abbreviated version of what that is so we can uh, we can go forward and uh, get into our topic for this episode. Sure. Um, thanks for having me back. My background is pretty standard. Um, I grew up in the Catholic Church, went through some teenage angst where I decided there was no God. Um, it was pretty cliche. And then, you know, like, uh, like any good believer of, uh, of faith, I followed a girl right back into the church. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where it really began uh, to get a little bit more serious. Uh, you know, once the girl got out of the way, um, God got in the way. And, uh, you know, I, I wound up going to a Christian university where uh, I studied history, and I did a lot of reading of philosophy and literature and theology, and that's where it really kind of became um, a little bit more intellectualized for me, but much more real. I started to break down the ideas of what I was believing and practicing, and so that it wasn't just a routine anymore. So one of the things that, you know, and, and I think people who are Catholic struggle this with this as well, is often the Catholic faith feels very routine and rehearsed and scripted. And um, there's a reason for that to some degree that I don't think I need to get into too in-depth, but most of it comes down to things that have been contemplated and uh, written about that help direct and prepare us for particular things. And so, you know, your idea of talking about things that are particular to the season, uh, I think that fits really well because, um, you know, everything during the Advent season for the Catholic faith is pointing towards this one monumental event in human history, and that is the, the birth of Christ. The reason I, I wanted to um, bring you on the show, too, as well, is because we're finishing up a series called The Ripple Effect, positive effect on others and, and how to live our lives in a positive way. And we had um, Tim Hawk on last week, and he gave us a very scientific approach to the word karma. But one thing about that, Chris, is that is... The reality is that's in a physical world, that's in the living, that's in the world that you and I both live in, uh, cause and effect, uh, physics, uh, the laws of reality. Mm -hmm. uh, if you do this, then you're going to get that in return. And after listening to it, it's a great episode, but having a little history with Tim Hawk and myself, we would always discuss philosophy and religion. And Tim always took a very scientific approach to life. If he couldn't feel it, touch it, um, it was a hard thing for him to find and understand the word faith. And I am driven by faith, even though I find that faith is chaotic, very rocky, very hard to see, to find. You have to seek it every day. Um, but it is, it is a big part of my life. I'm a faith-driven person. And so after listening to the episode, which I thought was fantastic, probably one of the better ones we've ever had, I felt, you know, we've got to just continue it one more time and talk about the word faith and how it does affect all of us, whether we have it or not, and what quite a reach it is. And, you know, if you go to cause and effect, we didn't ask for this pandemic. This whole world got hit by something that caused us to all kind of retreat in a way and try to figure it out. Now, we are figuring it out from a scientific point of, of view, but there's got to be a faith that can lift us up and go beyond that. Um, so I, I'm really interested in, in your interpretation of faith and how you use it in your life, as well as Steve, 
Um, he is in, the, you know, has a Jewish background, and they are also um, faith-driven people. And um, I find that yes, with the holidays, as we call them these days, uh, between Hanukkah and Christmas, and uh, before we approach this new year, we all need to humble ourselves and realize that we're not here alone. We were never meant to be here alone. And so, I really kind of wanted your take on that, and kind of take it from there and get your point of view. Sure. Um, so the way I approach it is kind of a holistic way. So in the last handful of years, I've gotten really into looking for points of reconciliation um, instead of points of divergence or separation. Science is great. We need it. Uh, it helps us survive and progress and, uh, you know, but it, it doesn't hold all the answers put this into somewhat of a historical context, in the last, I'd say, 100 years or so, um, we've become more and more insistent on the scientific explanation of all things. Um, and I'm, you're talking about karma. Uh, this is really uh, fitting. I just finished up a semester teaching uh, Great Britain from 1603 to the present, and one of the last readings we did was from a, um, a British uh, scientist named Richard Dawkins wrote a book called The Selfish Gene. And essentially, I mean, long story short, kind of says that, you know, by, by genetics, we're selfish. He's not talking about sinfulness or brokenness or fallenness or anything like that. He's saying it's part of our DNA to be self-interested. Um, so he is a, a kind of diehard atheist. And one of the chapters in that book addresses the reality of science answering the question of why. This is one of the things that really piques my interest. I've always kind of taught my students, science is concerned with how and what, and it's very good at answering those questions, um, and it's very equipped to do so. And so it would be unfair to open up a chemistry textbook and ask for questions of why, right? The same way it would be unfair if we opened up any religious text, right, the Koran, the Bible, the Torah, and asked it questions of how and what. It is very much equipped to answer questions of why, right, of guidance, of proper living, but it is not a scientific textbook. And so we often find that people choose one or the other. And so, like you said, Tim uh, has trouble uh, with things that are immaterial and metaphysical and transcendent, right? Well, that's that's pretty common. And, and I indeed struggle with the very same things. But like you pointed out, you're a faith-driven person. And so even though it's chaotic and even though it's frustrating at times and it's a struggle, you are, you have opened yourself more to allowing that kind of immaterial, unexplainable faith-based component, right? I, so for I me, do. faith, for, go ahead. No, I, I do. And I just want to add to that. I think what helps me is when I look back on my life and, and remember those times when it stepped into my life and changed the direction of my life in a, in a very humble way, very, very confused at a very dark time in my life, very confused time in my life, didn't know where I was going, you, you know, had a prayer, uh, many prayers. And then the next thing you know, somehow, some way, reflecting back, not even knowing what was happening at the time, I'm in a better place. And so what helps me in finding what if I want to call the facts or the evidence is looking back and reflecting on my own life and seeing that there has been a difference. And I wonder what I would have done without it. 
And so that's kind of the yeah. thing that we all look for. We all, you know, everybody wants some kind of proof. How do you, you know, oh, well, uh, prove it to me, you know, especially from a scientific point of view, prove faith. And since this is a show of mind, body and spirit, we're talking about the spiritual aspect of the show. How do you jump from the living, from the physical part of life into a spiritual part, which you're pleading to or asking for from a point of faith? Help me move in the right direction. Help me get through this, this yeah. traumatic experience that I'm having. That's the difficult part. Yeah. And really, it, I think it is probably the bigger struggle for most people. And I think we talked about this on the last uh, episode that we did together that, you know, when you're working out, you can see the change in your body. And when you're eating right, you can see the change in your body. If you are educating yourself and you are reading more and you are thinking and disciplining and meditating, you can see the change in the mind. Uh, but it's really hard to track any sort of movement or change or even kind of uh, tangible uh, reality when you're talking about spiritual components. And so for me, what I try to do is understand that it's, it's holistic, right? It's mind, body, and soul. But uh, if I'm going to be a person of faith, I need faith to precede those other things first. So I don't walk around blindly looking for visions and signs and things like that. It's more, I use my mind, I use my body, right? But I allow the faith to be part of the initial lens that I see things through so that I don't, uh, I don't pit my reason and my intellectualism against my faith and vice versa. I don't pit my faith against the intellectual component either. And, you know, I don't pit my emotions and the way I feel physically against my faith and vice versa. And I found that that's just been, uh, and, and really I, I'm not good at it. I wouldn't say I'm good at it. Uh, I struggle like anybody else. Uh, and I really think it is a lifelong struggle. Um, it's one that we have to be mindful of on a daily basis. Um, it's one that contemplation and stillness really help to kind of align and order those things. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in our lives, we it's hard to carve out that time. And we don't teach our kids and young people how to do it. You know, we tell them to multitask instead. And so it gets difficult. I, I'm curious about one thing. So, Tim, you and I have talked on a number of occasions, and while you are a person of faith and you read Scripture, you would say that you're not really kind of a defined Christian, right? You're not a part of any one mission or denomination. That's pretty accurate, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I believe in Christ and, and uh, you know, the Holy Spirit and God, but I don't follow a particular religion now. And um, okay. I have I always felt that if I had the desire and, and I had the ability to seek that it would come along, um, that I didn't need another party or, or um, I, I'd love fellowship and I'd love to get together with people and talk about it. But um, I, I find that sometimes uh, there's so many distractions out there that the easiest way to get there is yourself, you know, through constant work. Okay. You know, we're human. We're, we're all human. We, this is a, a very difficult time for all of us to get through this particular um, event that we're going through. And it's, it's very hard for us to even think that, gosh, what what else can we do? You know, and, and we talked about karma. We talked about the reinforcement of doing good things in this world. But there's more that we can do. And I think if we all come together and humble ourselves and realize that, you know, a lot of this is because we don't pay attention. Like you said, we don't reflect. We don't look back. We don't think about the changes that we can make. But on a concerted effort, if everybody would humble themselves and realize that we are not here by ourselves, that we are relational people and that there is a God. And that there's a supreme power 
who put us here, created all this, and eventually will return. I think we'd be a better world and a better place. I mean, I find it really interesting that you approach it from that direction. I approach it from a little bit more of an organized direction. And then I'm curious, Steve, where you're at with that. Tim mentioned that uh, you have Jewish roots. Uh, I mean, is that factor in or? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so growing up as uh, as a Jew, it's just always been in my life. And this is interesting. I had this conversation the other day with my wife. What What is Judaism? There's a book, uh, several books about that. Just what does it mean to be a Jew? What does it come down to? Because there's so many different, just like Christianity, there's so many different branches, so many different sects of it. But what's the commonality? What's the common denominator between being a Jew? And believe it or not, what it comes down to is tradition, comes down to a lot of it culture, comes down to food. You mean to tell me that you know, you're drawn together? What pulls you together is food. And that is a large part of it. But it's family customs and traditions. One Jew in one area of the world is completely different from a Jew in another area of the world. Different traditions. But I think what it does is it unites families. And that's the commonality that many Jews, at least most Jews I know, all have. Whether you're Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, um, Hasidic. I think sometimes, too, in, in this, again, the physical world we live in, we learn through feel, touch, see, smell our senses. If we are driven to something, it's because we can accomplish it through those those things. This is a different world of complete a spiritual world where you can't really see it, can't smell it, can't taste it, maybe at times feel it. And all you look for is the change in your experience of, of I know for me, uh, it affects me in my attitude. I can be down and out and, and uh, have a prayer and somehow within a matter of a couple hours, I'm lifted up. Um, I said a couple uh, episodes ago, the prayer I have every morning is, you know, just lift me up out of this pit of self-pity, fear and doubt and stand me on high ground, solid rock and push me so gently in the right direction. Now, you know, a lot of people look at me owning a martial arts school and they say, how could this man strong? He's, you know, he's he's this kind of guy. Well, let me tell you something. Come inside of me. See where I am. Um, it's not easy. Yeah. I've gone through a lot, gone through cancer. I've survived a lot of things. And if it wouldn't have been for faith, I would not be here. If it would not be for faith, I wouldn't have married a beautiful woman, have two gorgeous children that married great men. I wouldn't have the friends that surround me with long-term relationships and so on and so on and so on. I think the craziest thing, Chris, is this. And, you know, I want your point of view on this, too, as we end the show. But isn't it crazy that we can teach our children to believe in Santa Claus and protect that belief as long as we possibly can? I was driving home with your, with your wife the other day who gives me a lift home, and she's telling me about how she doesn't want to ever tell him or your children, going to let it go as long as possible because they love to believe that there's this, this big guy with a beard that's going to land on the roof, and most of us don't even have chimneys today. And he's going to come in with a bunch right. of reindeer, and he's going to give us a bunch of gifts, and how is this possible? Well, we're going to make sure we're going to put cookies out for them and carrots and we're going to adorn a Christmas tree and we're going to feel so good around the holiday season because we have this this thing called Santa Claus. We want to believe and we want our children. I can still remember believing that. I'm sure you can, too, how golden that is. And then right like that, within a moment, our logic, our intellect, it's time to tell them. And now we don't believe anymore because it's impossible. How could that happen? 
How could a sleigh with reindeer land on a roof with no chimney with a big fat guy coming down and, and give gifts to all the kids in the whole wide world? How could that happen? Well, then we start not believing. Yeah. Then we start not believing. And we start thinking about everything based on logic. Well, personally, I'd rather believe in Santa Claus. I'd rather believe than not believe. And I think that's the difference, too. One day we'll all be there. We don't live forever. One day we're all going to be there. Am I right to say I'm going to believe? And those that say they don't, we'll all end up somewhere. There is a life after death, I'm sure. So that's the question. How do we strengthen our faith? How do we do that thing that we teach our children to believe? You know, what I love about the stuff that I study, you know, a number of these authors wrote about fantasy and imaginary worlds. And they believed and even made, I mean, wrote scholarly essays defending fairy stories. Uh, Tolkien did that. For them, it prepared them for enchantment and imagination. Mm. And it, I mean, and so you said, how do we do it? Well, I think it's practice and familiarity. You're right. And so, you know, you've, you've basically described all these elements, right, about Santa Claus. They don't seem all that different about who the person of Christ was or who God is, right? It's, it's the same uh, dynamics that humanity deals with. And so what better way to prepare yourself for a life of faith than to have some of these instances at different seasons of your life? I mean, I love this theme that you guys are doing because it, it fits so well in different places um, throughout our lives, right? As children, there are things that we're focused on. And then we kind of grow out of them, and it's a new season and a new chapter. And the, the common denominator through all of those things, uh, faith, imagination, enchantment, spirituality, we can go through periods where we ignore them, right? But at some point, whether we want to or whether we like it or not, things of that element and of that nature are going to be thrust in front of us. And if we're not prepared with how to deal with it, um, we, we are going to struggle, uh, I just finished teaching uh, a high school course online, and the last essay we read was to philosophize is to learn to die. And it was this really fascinating take from a French philosopher from the 16th century, Michel Montaigne, who basically said that contemplation prepares us for the state of, of what it means to be alive, but also the reality that we all will not be here forever. And, uh, you know, not to get into that, but there was one more point I wanted to make sure that we touched on because I heard it through both of you and Steve's uh, descriptions, and it is communal, right? This theme of what is communal, whether it's gathering together around the table to eat and it's the food, whether it's linking one another uh, through tradition. And, I mean, that can link us to the dead, right? So we can actually learn from the dead in ways that we might miss out learning from the living because we're distracted or whatever. And so it, I think that those two points that you guys made really fits with the thing that I'm most interested and concerned with, which is points of reconciliation. So Tim, your approach and Steve, your approach and my approach, the thing that ties us together is the commonality. Where are we reconciled on these different points? that allows us to sit and break bread together and, you know, uh, crack a beer open and have great conversation, but not always just about the conversation. It's also about the community and caring for one another. 
Uh, it's about supporting one another's beliefs and struggles and tribulations and also the joy and the goodness and celebrating, you know, the monumental events as well. I mean, I, I, I personally was very uh, blessed and thankful to be asked to celebrate uh, Chelsea and Chris's union together by uh, officiating it. And so, you know, that, that doesn't happen if we aren't doing the things that you two are talking about on this podcast. Yeah. And I think, I thank you for that. I think one of the things you said too, and, and we'll like to end it with this and is imagination. I'm sure that you imagine God a little differently than Steve and a little differently than me. It's, it's the imagination to sink into your eyes closed and think that you're commuting, talking to seeking with a, a spirit and a creator that's created heaven and earth. That imagination for all of us is something that we need to grow in. We have a world that's changing so fast, and I'm afraid that logic and intellect is going to limit our children from imagination and believing that there's more out there than just this. Has to be. And I think you feel the same, and I know you do too, Steve. Absolutely. And um, I just want to say thanks again. You're just, you know, so deep. And it's just good to have you on the show from your point of view and your background, uh, giving our, our those that listen to the show an idea. When we say mind, body, and spirit, spirit is a big part of all three. Yeah, Chris, uh, on this day, Christmas Eve 2020, when millions of gifts will be exchanged all throughout the world, what a gift you've given us and our listeners sharing your time, your wisdom, and your insight. So thank you for that gift. Thanks, Chris. No problem. I, I enjoy doing it. Hey. Tim, Trisha drives you home, right? That's right. I get you to the promised land. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Chris. And Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to Attack Life, Not Others. Subscribe to our podcast. And for more on our way of life through the martial arts, go to hooverkarate.com. This has been a Steve Mittenin social media creation. Creation, creation. Steve Mittenin social media.com. Dot com. Dot com. Dot com.